You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Green. Thank you for tuning in. And we are another week up, another week down. It is time for the full-on review of, uh, wow, Women of Wrestling. I guess the, uh, the name of the promotion and the name of the show are all in the same. Maybe one of these days they'll give it an actual show title. Who knows? But, you know. That's neither here nor there. So uh, I'm just going to start out the gate with this and say that this actually was a far better episode than I walked into it giving any sort of credit for. Uh, This was somewhat surprising to me, although uh, the reasons why I guess I shouldn't be surprised with. But before we go into that. Uh, if you haven't done it, and if you are here, please um, follow, like, subscribe. You know, do do the normal uh, supporting things that we all ask you to do when we are on these platforms. Like, share, subscribe, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It helps the podcast, keeps it going, keeps the website up, etc. You know, all the, all that good stuff. Uh, and of course, if you have not done that, if you are just staggered and stumbled along with this and found it somehow without uh, without trying, well, then you definitely want to make sure that you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, uh, particularly for those of you on, on YouTube, so you get the notifications when this was, this happens on your greater podcast platforms. If you just listen to this in download audio format, uh, you can get that on your uh, greater podcast platforms just like i said that, that would be like uh, itunes and well speakers going away not speaker god damn um it is another another platform that unfortunately is kind of dying off out and now it's a, a google site and i can't think of it right now but all other locations are still good and it still goes out there and if you have any concerns about where you can and cannot find it but well, then go to WPNWrestling.com because everything is there and every link that we have to every other location is all in one location under one umbrella. So you can try that. So now let's uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's move into the show. Ah, uh, well, you know how WoW starts off. It starts with a recap of everything it did the previous week and the previous week of this uh, was the Mother Turkers going against Miami Sweet Heat. They recapped the main event where it was a non-title tag team match featuring Big Rig Betty and her daughter Holly Swag taking on Miami's Sweet Heat. This is uh, quite possibly a first in wrestling. Definitely a first in WoW where you got a sister combination taking on a mother-daughter combination. 
So that was uh, interesting in of itself. Um, uh, I got into it a little bit the last week, and I only bring it up now to say that I do not understand what the favor that Sofia Lopez is providing um, to the mother truckers, because apparently this is somehow worked into that, but... Uh, we don't know, and given the Wilds' track record at this point, it's probably going to be a couple of weeks before I find out, if I do find out, or if we find out, I should say. Uh, but we're not going to dwell on that. That's in the past. We'll wait for it to pop back up. It, it might be four weeks, might be five weeks, might be six weeks. Who knows? But as of this week, they had something that helped tie most of the episode together. And that is one of the things that I think really, really helped this look good. Is that it had a relative running theme, uh, whether they intended to have a running theme in it or not. Um, but that is not the first match. The first match is also uh, surprising for me. The first match was BK Rhythm taking on Keita Rush. And... Uh, I don't know what the commentator, I don't know what the hell they was talking about. It was like talk, BK Rhythm's winning streak. I was like, what What winning streak? When, when did this happen? Uh, this goes back to what I was saying. Now, if there's anything I have to take, a, take away from is this. The commentators continue to just make stuff up week in and week out. Now, that's not to say that, you know, every wrestling commentator's job is to provide the narrative of the promotion. And of course, he's supposed to tell the story that you that you need to tell in order for your angle or storyline to get across. I get that. What I don't understand with WoW is when they just do fluff pieces on people that are clearly provable or disprovable, depending on your stance. And this is one of them. I was like, when when did BK Rhythm have any sort of winning streak? But I've come to realize that with WoW, if you win one time, that qualifies as a winning streak for them. It's not like uh, you watch a, I'm hesitant to say a legitimate sport, but I'll, I'll just say that. It's not like, you know, you're watching football, basketball, baseball, and, you know, when you're on a winning streak, you've had, you know, three, four, five, six games in a row where, where it's a streak and no one has stopped you. Even in wrestling, you know, we, we've seen the old winning streak deal done a couple of times. Uh, and it, and we don't mean them necessarily being undefeated, but just a winning streak where they have just racked up wins week after week after week after week. Uh, this is not one of those cases, but again, WoW exists in its own kind of logic and its own universe. So just take what I say and believe me when I say it. If WoW has any one person or team that wins one time, it for them, that qualifies as a winning streak. So here they're like, eh, BK Rhythm and her winning streak. So I guess they only mean the one time that she did win and just move on. But um, this match, Keita Rush versus uh, BK Rhythm, is a pretty solid match. It, I mean, it, I have absolutely no criticism or complaint or anything like that particularly given that Rush 
more than she's been in wrestling longer than BK Rhythm, but I don't think she's had as many matches as BK Rhythm. Uh, largely due to the fact that on the independents, she still takes bookings whether WoW was operating or not. Uh, Rush doesn't necessarily do that, but she um, does operate a self defense uh, facility and she trains in MMA, and it was on full display here in this match. Uh, her locking up with BK Rhythm, her manipulating her body, her moving around from one the arm bar. I mean, just the, the way that Rush was able to just float through and one submission to the other. I enjoyed this. It's, it was a short match, but all the matches are short, but I enjoyed this. I enjoyed seeing what Keita Rush was able to do. I enjoyed to see what uh, BK Rhythm was able to do with her. Uh, it was to use a, a, a line that Larry Zabisco used to utilize quite a bit in his commentary. He called wrestling a human game of chess. This, for a while, is maybe the closest that you might get to that human game of chess, the, uh, the move and counter move, even though it wasn't necessarily that kind of match. This was, this was a key to rush showcase. That, that's all this was. This is the best way I could put it. This was a Keita Rush showcase. She uh, wasn't dominating necessarily, but she was all over uh, BK Rhythm, more or less from start to finish. And uh, Rhythm did a, a really good job with her of helping her look good. And almost everything they did here was really really well executed one of the things I, I really enjoyed getting away from what Rush did at the beginning uh, where she kind of ties Rhythm up and, and rolls her through and all that stuff uh, there's a point in the match where Rhythm sends Rush into the ropes and, and she catches her almost like a hip toss into a suplex I mean it, it was so smooth I <clears throat> the end of the match because I'll, I'll just say if you're interested in it you should probably just go to their YouTube channel and check it out it's not long at all the match probably is all of like four minutes if there's anything that I would say that works against WoW in, this, in the regard of that of how good or bad that match could have been it's something like that and that they it's almost always within the same time frame doesn't go underneath it or very rarely goes underneath it it definitely doesn't exceed it um it is you know you're dealing with about a five minute four minute minimum and possibly eight to ten minutes at its height so the matches are usually pretty short so they, they had to work in and squeeze in quite a bit of things in there you know to to give you a reasonable match, but BK Rhythm and Keita Rush did just that. I And I, I do not want to sit here and be like, oh yeah, that's all BK Rhythm that made that happen because she's a wrestler. No, I think Keita Rush held her uh, her end of the bargain up here. She, she did just fine. So now uh, after the 
hip toss into like the suplex hybrid that I just told you about, which I thought again was very smooth by rhythm. She tries to apply an arm bar to rush on the mat. Looks like she's in you know control, like I got her, and not really taking her lightly. Or or I should say she is taking her lightly. But then Rush rolls through the arm bar and pins her in, in like this cradle move and scores the win. A win out of nowhere for Keita Rush. First off, it's a rarity that she wins. But she gets out of the ring and she's celebrating. She's cheering. And, you know, the crowd, they, 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 I, I don't know whether they actually have somebody out there saying, all right, applaud, applaud, applaud. But everybody was into it. And uh, it it looked like the the way it was presented, it came off like, oh my gosh, she just broke her losing streak or something like that's that's how it looked. And they treated it like she broke some sort of losing streak. The only thing that I would add to that is I wish that they actually had, and I'm not saying I want to see Keita Rush lose. But I wish that it actually had an acknowledged losing streak so that that moment would have actually meant more. It meant something just in a cold match, theoretically. Because, again, we don't know if somebody's not just standing out there like, all right, guys, hit the thunderclappers and applaud. But assuming that they do not. Now, I've seen one episode where there was somebody out there where he, you know, doing the old TV thing. All right, now's your time to clap. Now, you know, stand up, applaud, do this, that, and the other. This would have been a lot better had there been some sort of build to it. That That's pretty much where that uh, should have been. But good match. Short match, but a good match. Uh, the next segment is a video package on Sofia Lopez talking her up as if she was the best manager in a while. Now, I like Sofia Lopez. Not sure how she could be presented as the best manager in a while when she is... She's had a, a running losing streak with her clients, and there's no championship goals. So I'm not, I'm not sure how she's supposed to be the best man. And that is what the the segment says. She's the the best manager in a while. Don't get it. I do not get it. Um, again, they go right into doing this fluff job. David McClain says, Los Banditas has been on a winning streak. What winning streak? They've literally lost from the moment that Sofia Lopez cut a promo on them. I mean, I should cut a promo for them. The second that they had that segment, they went and lost. But WoW is treating this like this is the debut of Los Banditas. I, I, I don't know why. We've seen them on this show a couple of times already. But this is how it's kind of presented. It's kind of it's presented like Sofia Lopez just found it and now we're debuting them for the first time on Wild TV. I, I didn't understand that. And it, it just continues to make me lose faith in the announcers. Um, the, but the around that, if we get around the announcements, if we get around the announcers, this is this is good. They've always been able to put together a good video package. They fluff it up a lot. They say a lot of things that aren't necessarily true, and it's almost like, and I've I've said this before, it is almost like they are dependent 
on you not paying attention or they are dependent on you forgetting. But this is uh this is what they do. They they fluff it up. And so is the narrative here is that they have been on this winning streak, the banditas, and now they're coming back for, you know, whatever. Um this looks good, but they don't talk about anything specific, like they're going for this or they're doing that and uh the reason that they're here is because of this thing or you know they're they're restart. There was no real story there. It was just kind of a recap and a, and for lack of a better term, like a soft reboot. That that's pretty much where we got from that. Uh, one thing I forgot to bring up uh, for the previous match is that Dave McClain talked about BK Rhythm being from Texas, despite the fact that she's being announced from New Orleans. And they've talked about it being from New Orleans a couple of times. That another little knock against them, the, the, the commentating just saying things just for the sake of saying things. And this is another example of that. Is is counterproductive to what everything else has been said or what they've done, <sighs> but that's wild. So we, we'll we'll move on. You know, it, I guess if he wants BK Rhythm to be in Texas, she'll be in Texas. But don't have your announcers say that she's from New Orleans if you're gonna follow right behind that. Less than thirty seconds later, talking about she's from Texas, that is absurd. So, the next segment is the next match. That is Las Banditas with Sofia Lopez taking on Chantilla Cella and Foxy Fierce. The Dancing Fools. That is not their official name, by the way. I just, you know, just say that because that seems to be the only real characteristic that Chantilla Cella and Foxy Fierce have is that they smile and dance a lot. They don't really cut promos and they don't really engage in backstage vignettes and they don't really have any angle and they don't really have any stories so it is the singular thing that i can point at like yeah they do that you know they they smile and they dance um the match good this is the criticism that i will add before i go into go into the uh the good stuff and you know i don't want to I don't want to do the old compliment sandwich thing. So, so I'm kind of working in reverse here. But one of the things that I really think that need to stop, and I, I know I've said it and I directed it towards Lopez and, and her crew. Well, I shouldn't even say her crew because they stick to being heels. But Lopez herself gives off a very mixed signal. Every time she comes out, Let's 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 look at how she presents herself. First off, and this is not to be you know materialistic or or anything like that, but you cannot discount how someone looks when they come on the screen. It, wrestling, I know they don't want to believe, or some people don't, but it is a very cosmetic business. And it has been a very cosmetic business since about since the 80s. You don't really see a lot of what I grew up with. Well, you know, you had people who could be in the wrestling business and not be in shape at all back in those days. 
Yeah, guys like King Kong Bundy and George Animal Steel and Big John Stud. You know, as long as they had something, a gimmick, a thing. You know, they're they're bigger than everybody else. He's a hairier dude than everybody else. He's wider than everybody else. You know, and and you could work. You could probably get your job in there. But as the years have gone on, almost everybody that comes on on Russell, and I say almost because you always have a few exceptions to the rule. Almost everybody that comes in wrestling now, particularly a big platform like that, they have them look very cosmetic. What's the point of that? Sofia Lopez is a very cosmetically pleasing woman. She's very easy on the eyes. So it's easy to get people to cheer her when she comes out well-dressed, well-manicured. She has a lovely smile, you know, and she comes out and she somewhat caters to the kids she's smiling at them she's shaking hands she's not doing anything that would lead you to believe that this is a heel again very mixed signal very mixed signal that should stop or it should go somewhere but given that it's been months worth of this, I mean, we're, we're coming up on a year worth of while being rebooted and brought back to TV. Given that it's been that long and there's been absolutely zero sign that they were trying to do anything with this or go anywhere with it or, or progress any sort of thing as it related to Sofia Lopez, I'm just going to say that what she's doing, and I love her to death, but is, that is just a worthless thing that she does. If she's going to be a heel, she needs to be a heel. If she's going to be disingenuous and smile, but then, you know, be a heel on the slide, then that needs to be evident. But this coming out, shaking hands with the kids and then turning around to being a heel a minute later, that probably should stop. Because even her clients do not come out doing the same thing. When they come out, they come out as absolute heels. So they need to, or more specifically, whoever is putting this match together, whether they're allowing her to go out and do what she does on her own, or whoever is saying, you know, go out there and do this, that, and the third, you probably need to say, hey, you know, throttle that back or be be more heelish in what you're doing because... We do want, I mean, you're a bad guy here, <laughs> you know, to put it in simple terms. You're a bad guy. And you should not be one of these kids to applaud you or cheer you or be confused about who is good and who's bad here. Just stick to being a heel. So that's the one thing. And then she comes out and she does the, the whole big ring introduction for her teams. And she does a good job, but but again, it's is very baby facious the way she does it. Now, the team in and of itself, Sanchez and Rivera, good look. I guess this is probably why it comes off like a soft reboot for a while because this is the first time that we've seen them in the ring in matching gear. We've seen them backstage with, with matching gear before, but this is the first time we've seen it in the ring. Now, uh, I honestly think that the segment they did a couple of weeks ago where they were being introduced by Rivera, that, that probably should have been better served to use when they actually weren't going to let them be in the ring together like that, opposed to them 
introducing the team and then turning around and having to explain why they look different in you know in the ring, which is basically what they did that particular episode. Like, oh yeah, she left her costume at home or something, something stupid like that. It would have been better served if they just reslotted that entire vignette to a point that it would have been more appropriate, like now. So we've got them coming out the ringside, and they, you know, they get the big introduction. And then you got Foxy Fierce and her partner Chantilla Chella coming out and doing the whole babyface thing. Uh, and they do their normal bit. They come out and they're dancing around, and they toss the cape out, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which is essentially the only time that the other commentators ever get on cameras when that cape is kind of tossed towards David McLean. And they're on camera by default of that. Uh, the, the start of the match is a bit silly. But, but I, I suppose within the context of who they are and what they're doing, it works. So you got... And, and I'm only going to refer to them that just to as the dancing fools just because it simplifies things. They're not fools and I'm not, you know, making, I'm not trying to make them sound that way. But the dancing fools get into the ring and what do they do? They start dancing. You know, they're, they're not even paying attention to their opponents. They're, they're looking at each other. However, the heels try to jumpstart the match. They run across the ring. They take a swipe. They both miss. And from there, we got the baby faces. Starting off in control, Foxy Fierce and Chantilla Chella have taken the banditas and started off on them. Uh, this is, you know, this shows the, the, the banditas as a good tandem and a good heel tandem. You know, that they took the bumps, they, they bounced around, and they, they let themselves, let themselves, you know what I mean, it, uh, not in a non-kayfabe universe, they let themselves get kind of bounced. Uh, in the kayfabe world, they they got tossed around and beat up, and you know they had to find a, another way to secure uh, an advantage. I have to say, Fierce looked good in this as well, and I I know that I would prefer that Foxy Fierce and Chantilla Chella have more personality underneath them and stuff like that. You know, to, to just go against what I said earlier, be something more than just the surface level of we smile and we dance. That's what I would like. But I also understand and recognize that Chella and Fierce, their path in wild has largely been kind of carved out. They're the Moki brothers. They're the Hardys before the Hardys became a, uh, a championship-winning team. They're, you know, uh, any other team that has ever been in wrestling, that that their primary purpose is just to make the other ones look good. And give credit where credit is due. Fierce and Chella help make Las Banditas look good. Uh Fierce came in at, at one point, and I want to say that uh, not not Rivera Sanchez. Sanchez was the legal person once they got past the hoo ha that was at the beginning. 
And Fierce did a good job of, of maintaining control. At one point, she got her with uh, a unique kind of split kick that put Sanchez down. And it required her partner, Rivera, to come in and make the save. Which, of course, causes Chella to come in like, hey, Ruff, what are you doing, Yolanda? And then you know, he pushes her back. And so that's the point where the heels are able to get the advantage. And now we get to see some tandem offense by Los Banditas. I, again, I cannot knock or discount the effort that the team of Rivera and Sanchez did. They looked good together. They did create some tandem offense. One of the snap Marin to a nice kind of seated clothesline uh, on Foxy Fierce. They, they did a good job. Fierce and, and Chella did a good job. It looked, aside from the opening segment of them dancing around and completely not paying attention to their, to their opponents, aside from that, I mean, and again, it, that, that was kind of a silly point, but it was, it was within context of who they are, so it works. So I'm not saying that the dancing that they did at the beginning was out of place, and, and and it's not like they weren't paying attention. They they did the dance routine and they, and they still kept their eyes on their opponent and dropped down. Uh, now, this is where Lopez starts to bring out her heel spot because they get fierce in a position where she's leaned out uh, towards the heel side and, and Lopez is grabbing her hair and holding her so that uh, her, her clients can kick her in the head and stuff like that. It, it goes back to me saying, uh, Lopez, if you're going to be a heel, stick to being a heel. She's done a good job of being a heel. Just do it from start to finish. So a lot of this match, uh, Fierce is fighting from underneath. She's trying to get out of you know being double teamed. She's trying to get out of the corner. She's trying to get out from you know the the punishment that Los Bandidas is doing. And the Banditas are fully in charge. They have another uh, kind of tandem maneuver, a monkey flip into a senton. <clears throat> this is a showcase for the heels. And more importantly than that, and this is what helps this entire episode, is that it's a showcase for, for Lopez. Lopez became the glue that held this episode together and gave it purpose her having her clients there and through half of this show help give the show overall purpose so let's get back to the match at the fox c fierce makes her tag and we get chantilla chella back into the ring she does the old cleanup act the baby face comes in house of fire and she's taking care of both of them and she's doing a, a fair job of keeping both Rivera and Sanchez in place until, that is, Rivera is able to cut her off with a spine buster. That spine buster leads to his fierce running back into the ring and uh, I guess trying to even up the odds. But that only gets her in trouble because Sanchez takes her down. But it does provide enough of time because uh, Rivera gets put out that gives Sanchez enough time to recover and then put Fierce out of the ring. Chella gets back up 
And she does a, a wonderful um, round, yeah, like a little roundhouse kick where she's trying to nail it. She, she tries to get Sanchez in something, but Sanchez is able to get out of it <laughs> and duck the kick. Once she ducks the kick, then she just pops uh, uh, Chella. I, I hate that name. <laughs> I, I know I say it all the time, but I still hate that name. She pops Chella with a... Um, a downward spiral, and then she, oh, excuse me, not a downward spiral, a flatliner, and scores the win. There you go, clean, clean as a whistle. Outside of the, you know, multi-level interference, but there was no illegal passing of a briefcase or nothing like that. They, they got a relatively clean win here. Uh, yes, there was there was some heelish work. But like I said, no, no brass knuckles, no, no steel. Well, they don't really use steel chairs and brass knuckles, but you get what I'm saying. Um, flatliner, Chella goes down. One, two, three. We're done. That that finishes that. And then they prepare themselves for the next match, which happens to be a match with another Sofia Lopez client. And they have a the, the video package setting up Tormenta versus Robbie Rocket. Uh, so Lopez is out there for back-to-back matches. This is maybe the best thing that they were able to do in this show, or, or at least a significant part of it. Lopez goes to the commentating booth while Tormenta comes out to ringside. And the the next segment as this is taking place, as they talk about next week's main event, which would be Vicky Lynn and Penelope Pink versus Princess Ozzy and Candy Crush. That is uh, supposed to be wrapping or wrapping into a story that they started off uh, probably about two weeks earlier. So now we got Tormenta with Sofia Lopez, even though she's not physically at ringside, taking on Robbie Rocket. This, uh, another good match, but it does share a similar quality to what I just criticized in the tag team match. Not the match itself, but Lopez. Lopez was a heel who came out as babyface. This match has essentially a two-heel match. This Tormenta has never been presented as babyface here. And she's not really the presented as babyface now. And Robbie Rocket has always been presented as heel right along with them. So this is just a heel versus heel match. And I, I don't know what they were trying to get out of that. I mean, it's almost like Tormenta became the de facto babyface because... Even though Lopez is there, Lopez was not at ringside to assist or toss or something or distract or do any of the normal heel-based things. Um, Tormenta does get aggressive in the match, and you know she does the normal Tormenta stuff, but just on the virtue of it being a heel-versus-heel contest, that's the best way that I can describe it. Is it is like Tormenta just got defaulted into being the babyface in this equation. 
But this is an, another case of a match of two people who do or did well together. Robbie Rocket is a newcomer, not just in WoW, but I believe just on the independent wrestling scene altogether. And the last time that I had seen her, she was at the UWW wrestling event uh, working underneath her, uh, not her real name, but she was working underneath her her independent wrestling name. And I, it, it skips me right now. It's, it it is a it Robbie something, but and I'm sure if you you look her up, you'll you'll come across it. Matter of fact, now to think about it, let, let's see if I can find that. And UWW, by the way, um. Because I still have to go and watch this show. That is Ultimate Women of Wrestling. Now, I don't know if they're trying to do that as a play on 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 WoW. I don't know if it's a direct shot on them at all. But what I do know is that they, for all intents and purposes, exist in WoW's backyard. They, from what I've been able to tell, have been operating largely out of Los Angeles. I'm not in Los Angeles, but Las Vegas. But the last two shows that they've done have been LA-based. And I'm really wondering, are they in the same facility? Because that they listed as the Globe, but it looks so much like the Belasco. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's a case of is uh, what's the name of the Monday Night Raw used to go to um, is right around the corner from Madison Square Garden, and now I have completely drawn a blank. <laughs> it did, yeah, I completely drew a blank with, with that. It, now I have to look. I not to, I have to look it up. Let's see where this thing was. Let, let's let's take a look here. Uh, last ECW show. We'll, we'll go with that. In 2001. That, that'll help me. That, the Hammerstein Ballroom. That's it. Okay. So that, that's what I meant. The Hammerstein Ballroom has a couple of different rooms. And it is... The same location, but it went under something else when Raw was there opposed to ECW. So that that's what I'm wondering is, is this a case of the Globe and the Belasco are the same location, but they're different facilities within that, that location? Did that make sense? That's that's what I'm I'm kind of getting the feeling for and and please if if any of you ever look it up or you you get the the show um look at it and just you know give me your thoughts man you know let, let me know do you, do you think that this is the same place cuz they look very much like the only thing that I will say that looks relatively different is that the lighting is super dark with the UWW. And that's probably the uh 
the best thing that you can say for for a while as it compares to UWW is that they're visually they probably look a little better. Although I don't have a problem with the wrestling promotion looking a bit gritty. And that is one thing that I can say they they look gritty. They look a, a lot more gritty than than uh Wow does. Wow looks very very clean. Um and when you look at UWW is uh, most of their background is almost like just blacked out. So so I don't know if uh <clears throat> getting back to the point, I don't know if that was the case of we're in the same location, but we don't have the, the, the best lighting rigs. So we're going to just darken everything out except for the ring. Um, I, I don't know if it's a case of we just, this is the look that we want, but it looks the same. So if you happen to see it, just take a look. But it demand, the grand ballroom at the Manhattan Center is what it was listed at with Monday Night Raw, opposed to the Hammerstein Ballroom with ECW. And that's the only thing I'm getting off of that. I know I talked about that for a while, but <clears throat> this, this is what it feels like with them. It feels like the Belasco and the Globe, although they are listed differently, they look exactly, they look very similar. I'm not going to say exactly the same. They look very similar. All right, so now, uh, back to where we were. I, I know that was, that was just right down the rabbit hole there. Um, I will say that uh, one half of the other team, uh, Los Banditas also worked with UWW. I don't know if that's something that WoW likes or not, but they did. Everly Rivera, who we now know as Vivian Rivera, and as Johnny Rocket opposed to Robbie Rocket. Die, it just hit me. See, if you say so if you're looking for her on the independent run, you're looking for Johnny Rocket. I mean, not Rocket, Johnny Robbie. So, so let me re- let me make sure I make that clear. Johnny Robbie is the name that Robbie Rocket works under independently. So if that is something that you're interested in, if you want to see how she works and functions outside of a wild ring, uh, that's who you're going to have to look for, Johnny Robbie. And if you want to see Evelyn Rivera opposed to Vivian Rivera, same difference. Just do a search, I'm sure you find. And they got a couple of matches out there. Uh, but I do believe that Johnny Robbie, a.k.a. Robbie Rocket, is less than a year into her wrestling career. But she does take bookings, as, as as I've just illustrated, outside. So she, much like BK Rhythm, opposed to Keita Rush, probably has more matches than the average wild girl. Not more than Tormenta, but she probably has more matches than the average wild girl. Um, Robbie Rocket wrestles very impressively, and I love her facials. It's like the those are the things that you really cannot teach. You know, I mean, you can tell somebody, hey, you know, you need to have better facials. You need to react to to the things that's going on. I've I've seen the trainers, I've heard the trainers do those things and say that and have that conversation, but you cannot really force somebody to have natural reactions to what's going on and, you know, how they're uh, engaged in the ring, uh, how they react to certain instances that take place. Robbie 
she has very good expressions and very good facial. She she delivers everything that I feel like she should be doing. Like she, when she looks upset, there there's a reason. When she looked like she's like, look, I almost had you. I mean, she she is at a point where I feel like she could tell a story with her body language and her facial expressions. She also, despite the fact that she's a heel, and I don't agree with the heel versus heel thing just for the sake of having a heel versus heel match. Uh, but she probably was one of the better opponents that they could have given Tormenta to get in the ring, take the stuff that she's taking, and look good doing it. And, you know, really help make Tormenta look well in this match. got to remember, Tormenta has not had a win since she's been in WoW. This... It felt very much like the same thing I said with Los Banditas. It felt almost like a soft reboot. Despite the fact that Tormenta had been there a while and she's had a couple of matches and she's been in the main event and she's challenged for the championship and all that good stuff, she has not had a good track record. Neither has Sofia Lopez. The Banditas did fine up until they put the the vignette of Lopez talking about we're going to be the tag team champions. The second she did that, then they just went ahead and just started losing weekly, or however many times they were on TV. <clears throat> this is maybe the more impressive singles match of the two, and uh, that's not a, a knock on the first match. It's just this is just high praise for Robbie Rocket and Tormenta. I mean, the, the Rocket does like this almost springboard DDT off the second rope for Tormenta. And again, it is almost a case of Tormenta just being the de facto babyface. Everybody that's in this, the audience did not really look like they were super engaged. There's this one dude that was just sitting out in the front row. I mean, he's like complete stone face. And, I know that this does not really uh, bode well for a television audience where you got somebody out there that's just looking like he is completely disinterested. <laughs> and it probably would not be as bad if he were not right there on the front row. I mean, he's there and he's holding up this ice sign. And up until a big high spot move, did not really seem like he was engaged all that much. Oh, yeah, but that's, you know, that's fans, and you can't really control that. So we get to the finish here. Both Rocket and Tormenta did a good job here. Tormenta's finish in this match is one of those things that you can show somebody who does not watch wrestling. And you, if you ever want to paint the picture of them like, hey, look, wrestling is not as easy as you think it is. And if you think so, you lay on the mat and you take what, what she had coming her. Tormenta stops Rocket, who charges her in the turnbuckle. Right? Robbie had sent her to the turnbuckles earlier, and she tried to charge in, and she got caught with the double boots, which puts her down. <clears throat> Tormenta goes up to the top rope, 
And she essentially is preparing to do like a double knees to the head and chest right from the top down on the rocket. Now, what I tell folks, I was like, now just keep in mind that the margin for error in that is not very high. I mean, she could have busted her skull wide open if she if she chose to come down and like really just screw her over. But she came down and she hit a rocket. She took it well and got the pin one, two, three, and that it, it did set the house on fire. I, you, you had to give her that. So Tormenta scores her big victory finally in WOW. And Sofia Lopez was sitting uh, at ringside throughout the entire duration of this. Now, she did have a moment. She was like, oh, I got to get up. And, you know, she she needs me. You know, when she was in some, were presented as being in somewhat of trouble. But outside of that, I mean, she this was something that she was able to handle well on her own. Uh, and she was able to to take this and and win the match, and of course when that happens, then Lopez is like, oh, I gotta go up and celebrate with my client. Having Sofia Lopez there to to talk about and and really tie these two matches together, as if it were a running theme, and it, I cannot praise that enough, honestly. And, and and the reason that something that simple gets praise out of me is because Wow has done a terrible job of connecting things. So when I see them do it, however small it may be, I'm like, yes, yay! <laughs> you know, you deserve some applause for that. And this is one of those cases where they deserve some applause. They actually had something that tied this all together, opposed to just a series of random matches and then a, and then a main event. So half of the show built around Sofia Lopez and her clients. And to credit Lopez, Rivera, and Sanchez, Tormenta, and you got to give credit to their opponents too, Robbie Rocket, Chantilla Cella, and Foxy Fierce. All of them should give themselves a pat on the back. All of them. For holding this show together. All of them helped provide the glue that kept this episode coherent. They can't help what the commentators say. They cannot help the fluff job that the commentators consistently try to give but just going from the wrestling all of them pat on the back congratulate yourselves fantastic job the next segment was a video package on the main event i don't know why they tried to sell this like hey we got a mystery partner it, there is zero surprise as to who chainsaw's a mystery partner was going to be there, there, there was absolutely no we, – we knew that it wasn't going to be somebody from the wrestling world. It was going to be somebody within WoW. And if they pulled anybody from WoW, it was going to be the same two people that she had tagged with previous to that, Siren and Holiday, which I have begun to feel like they're just kind of 
lost in the sauce right now. I mean, that that it's like they're paddling, but they're not going anywhere. <laughs> that, that's that's all the way I can see it. They're in the boat and they got the oars out in the water and they're paddling, but they ain't moving. And that's what it feels like with them now. They're, they're just another team that happens to be in there. I, you know, we just have to accept one thing that WoW has and what WoW does. And this is not anything on this episode. The episode I actually like. Um, but WoW has a bunch of interchangeable parts. They, they just do. They have a bunch of interchangeable parts. Most of the people that's there, going back to Santilla, Chella, and Foxy Fierce as the example, as much praise as I gave them for doing what they did in the match, I cannot get away from the fact that they are largely uh, very vague personas or personalities at best. They don't have anything to them. I said that they come. That their overall personality trait is that they smile and they dance, and that's it. You could have put any other two people in that match, and it would have been. You know, I'm not saying physically wise, but just in terms of uh, the presentation on screen. Like, oh, am I getting? Because they would do the same thing. The commentators would say the exact same thing. If it was, if I pulled Santilla Chella and and Foxy Fierce out, and I stuck in. Uh, spring break twenty four seven. Let's let's say they would do the same thing that they or say the same thing about them that they said about these two. Oh man, I can't. What a great match this is going to be. Spring break twenty four seven. What a winning streak they're on. Or oh, they have spunk and they 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 could they could pull this off. They they say the same thing. Even when the team or the person that they're talking about has lost repeatedly. They will present them like they're just, you know, on par with everybody else. Or this, this is a main event anywhere in the world. You know, all that that job that they talk about. <clears throat> and this is another one. I was like, Holiday and Siren have kind of devolved into being faces in the crowd. They're, they're becoming interchangeable. Now, I don't know who they would pick to do it, but I, what I would imagine, they would just grab another pair of two people and stick a dark side gimmick on them and be like, all right, yeah, there you go. So there is no surprise here whatsoever. You knew that they were going to get two people that could mesh with her because it would require too much effort to get two people who didn't and explain it. Even though I don't know why it would be that big of a problem, but you know, so the partners here, Chainsaw Holiday Siren, along with Angelica Dante. Surprise, surprise. I don't again I don't know why. This was some sort of shock. Cons- you know, considering that this was her original tag team partners to begin with. And I don't know, they didn't even bring that up. Like, you know, hey, you, you do know that they were a unit before. So why is this shocking now? This was no selling point. Normally, when we do the old mystery partner thing, it's a selling point to try to get people engaged and to tune in like, oh, I wonder who it's going to be. But there, there was no selling point here. That, that's, you know, a down 
spot of the show or this episode. The opponents, the Tonga Twins, Chaos and Kona, along with Tiki Chamorro, the remaining uh, members of the Island Dynasty, because apparently Leah Makoa is no longer with the group or part of the company. I, I can only assume. <clears throat> this is a, a showcase for tomorrow. The Tonga Twins are largely there as backup to tomorrow's baby face. Uh, I don't know if I really had any interest seeing the main event walking into it, but they did make this main event entertaining and worthwhile. Now, how did they make it entertaining and worthwhile? They, you know, they kept Chainsaw strong, or at least I felt that they kept her strong. Chainsaw, her revamping has been one of the brighter points of WoW over the last couple of weeks. I did not agree when they had her lose the first time. I thought they should have kept her strong and built towards a big loss that somebody could have benefited from, and it would have been you know worth it when they actually got the, the pinfall over this unstoppable monster, right? But that didn't happen. The only saving grace that she had is that she, too, had somewhat of a soft reboot when Angelica Dante returned. And Chainsaw looked changed, and she stopped partnering with Siren and Holiday, and she essentially went on being her own thing. And they started the... She wasn't really winning, but she was choking people out to the point that she would lose by disqualification and not care. I thought that was a nice touch. And then, you know, you had Dante kind of rein her in to where she would actually win some matches. And she kept her under control. <clears throat> that soft reboot worked for her. It, and it worked for her in regards of her not having to be some sort of polished technical wrestler either she was able to just come in and just be the monster well this match helped facilitate that image that much more at the beginning of the match we got chainsaw standing in the ring and more or less staring down both members of the you know or i shouldn't say both members but both of the tonga twins she steps to both of them like Hey, you know, I'm not afraid of you, which I thought was great that this she's still playing the part of the monster and playing the part to the point that, yeah, I'll take you both on. It works for her. It worked for Chainsaw. It worked that she is still trying to portray the unstoppable monster. And she charges both of them. They don't go down. But it is Chainsaw hitting two people. And it, it, it just made her look that much more like she's not intimidated. So the twins come back at her. And she takes the hit and she pretty much absorbs it. 
smiles. Again, pushing the narrative that Chance Halston's monster, and she is not going to back down, even from the twins who are basically her size, just you know, one on one, and she's willing to take on them both. So that was, you know, that's a big plus. After the twins try her, she tries to charge back in with a double clothesline. They duck underneath, give her a kick in the guts, toss her on the outside. Then they pick up tomorrow and they, you know, take care of the uh, the two remaining heels in Holiday and and Siren the Voodoo Doll. They toss her like she's a weapon, her being tomorrow, and then they kick her over to take both of the teams down. I mean, both of the members down. Chainsaw gets back in and she's like, I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. And then Holiday tags herself in and says, Hey, let me take her. So they again keep uh, Chainsaw looking strong because Holiday decided to take that fight on, not Chainsaw, which I thought good little touch there. And tomorrow sells the idea that Holiday is still scary, but she's in there and she's fighting. She's doing the underdog deal. She is maybe their best version of an underdog that they have on their show right now. Uh, Holly Swag is probably as, I almost say as good of an underdog because she it's. She can still kind of get the whole uh, I can win just given the time. To, almost like the one, two, three kid back in the day. I know that's that's an old reference, folks. But uh, but you get the point is that the difference between the two is uh, Holly Swag and, and her team still works as part of a unit. Whereas Tiki, yeah, she's part of the Island Dynasty. But she's almost looked at as the the little sister of the group, and they don't really, you know, we don't really know if she could survive the onslaught. Cause they put her in the ring, but she she kind of serves the same purpose as all the swag does. She she gets in there to take the beating, <clears throat> but she is good at what she does. Much like I would have said with Robbie Rocket, it has a lot of good uh, facials in her fear and the abuse that she takes. Sometimes she gets a little cartoonish and comical in how she does it. Robbie, Robbie Rocket does a better job of it, in, in my view, but that's not to discount tomorrow. So the idea here is that tomorrow is taking a beating and she's doing everything that she can to try to get free from the, the monsters, you know, which is the hence the title of the, the episode, Summoning the Monsters. And she's taking a beating from Siren. She's taking a beating from Holiday. She's taking a beating from uh, from Chainsaw. And this carries on and on. So the the narrative that we're that we're pushing in this match is that she has got to break free and she's got to get to her partners. She's got to get to her big sisters. Otherwise, all is lost. Chainsaw gets in the ring and she is. Uh, not trying to, she's doing a bear hug. She's doing the old bear hug thing. And tomorrow gets right on up there and makes the bear hug look that much more impressive. So big, you know, big thumbs up to her. Surprisingly, she's able to break free, 
And she punches Chainsaw. And that was the one point in the match. was like, really? Chainsaw could take all this other stuff. And that's what broke free. Is two shots to the face. And she just drops her. But she does. And Chamaro crawls on hands and knees to get over to one of the twins. And she makes the tag. And so now you got one of the Tonga twins in there against Chainsaw. And all of a sudden, Chainsaw is invulnerable to pain again. So she tries it. She, I forget which one it is. We'll just say Kona. She gets in there and she uh, tries to drop her with some clotheslines, but is unable to do it. So it requires both of them. There's a blind tag. They duck underneath what Chainsaw is putting down. They do a double spear. We have dropped Chainsaw. Uh, the other two monsters try to get in there and do something to, to even out the odds, but lo and behold, the Tonga twins are, ex- are ready for it. They come in to two super kicks, and they're down and out for the count. They pull Chainsaw back in and tag in tomorrow because, again, this is tomorrow's fight. They came in to get even, and this is the point where tomorrow is getting even. The, the Tonga twins hoist her up from the second rope and drop her down for a big splash on the Chainsaw. Wow apparently does not have any rules or regulations as to how pinfalls take place because all three of them are on top of chainsaws when this pin happens. Tomorrow is splashed on her and the two Tonga twins, Tonga twins, easy for me to say, hold her down on top of her opponent so that she can't get up and she gets the three. Uh, I don't know. Part of me is kind of like, really? That's how you did the pin? But then on the other side of that, the other, the other portion of me is, well, it does still protect Chainsaw. So I'm, I have mixed feelings about that pin on, on the one hand because Wild does this a couple of times. Like, you know, they probably should establish some kind of rules as to the pin rather than just having any, like you could dog pile somebody and they would still count as a pin anyway seems kind of ridiculous especially in a promotion that tries to have rules you can't be selective about the rules when it you know when you just feel like okay the baby faces are doing it so it's fine heels are doing it so we're gonna we're gonna stop them you know that there should be some level of consistency there but on the other side of that coin as i just said it still protects chainsaw Provided that she uses that in some sort of promo, which I doubt, this keeps her in the same position that she walked in at. And that, assuming that Angelica Dante were to speak up about it, which I will repeat, I doubt. I doubt they're going to do it. But she has and she has an out. For her monster. She has every ability. To get on TV and say. Okay yeah she was pinned. But you didn't beat her. It took three of you. To hold her down. For three seconds. Of course. I mean yeah my my monsters are. But none of you. None of you. Nobody in this entire. Promotion. Nobody on this entire roster wants to be in there with my monster one-on-one. Look what it took for someone to even get a pin on her. 
insert tomorrow and chaos and Kona both in the Tonga Twins. It took the entire island dynasty to keep my monster down. Do you really want to step in the ring with her one-on-one? It's a promo waiting to happen. And it's what they should do. It only would make her look that much more impressive. And it would get the heat back. And then she'd go right back into beating people up and not losing. It gives a perfect excuse as to why you should still be afraid of change, you know, within their universe. It gives it a perfect excuse as to why you should still be afraid of her. My only concern is that they will not ever use it. Uh, it it is abs- it absolutely protected her, but I I am scared that they're just going to ignore it and move on. Uh, one of the side things, and this really has nothing to do with the show. The camera stayed on these two twins that was in the audience for an exceptionally long time. I don't know if WoW should do that, especially when they're two female twins, if they're not going to be part of the show at some point, because all it did is just, it raised questions with people that watched, like, are they, hey, is that a new tag team? Yeah, because it's not like they wouldn't fit. You've got two sets of twin sisters there already. What's a third? Even though they probably don't need a third, but what's a third? Uh, it, it just it was just a noticeable, noticeable thing. I don't know. I doubt that is going anywhere, but I, I made note of it. I had they already do that with me a little too much, where they put the camera on somebody for an excessively long period of time, especially people who overact as a crowd member. Like, oh my, you know, they they just they make this into such a big production with them being out there, almost to the point that it looks like they have a plant in the audience. Now I can't prove that. But that's how it comes off. I would not keep the camera on that if uh, if if it were my show. But it's not, so they could do what they want. But I just say that this is, you know, it seems a little weird to me. Uh, this oh the the going through the back to the entire so the BK rhythm key to rush thing. This addresses a, a rematch, though that particular match addresses a rematch that they had probably over a month ago when Rush and BK Rhythm fought the first time and BK Rhythm beat her. So, for again, for them, it qualifies as some sort of feud. With, with WoW, streaks and feuds are at a minimum. A bare minimum, and I just have to accept that. Just like we all have to accept it. They, they are not operating off of normal wrestling time frame. They operate off a of wild time frame, and in wild time frame, one match is enough. One other note that I feel like needs to be addressed, I talked about the commentators a couple of times, but I'm specifically going to say this about David McClain. He says a lot in his commentary and in, in vignettes and things like that without saying a thing. He, he has this unique ability to provide a lot of fluff to whatever that situation happens to be without 
pushing any narrative or storyline or angle forward at all. It's just, hey, guys, they're doing this, that. Oh, they're going to be outside playing basketball. Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to contact Jeannie Bus. So-and-so gave me a, a rose the other day, and he has a lot of just sidebar stories, and he has a lot of fluff that he does throughout the course of his entire commentary and does not say a thing. Even when he does get into the match, he says something which essentially is uh, Stephen Dickey's cue to parrot whatever David McLean is saying. Aside from the one or two times that he gives uh, Dickey the ability to call the match on his own, and that's that's rare. And when I say call it on his own, I mean like he just quiets down for a moment so Dickey can call a spot or two. But outside of that, it's just, hey, guys, we're, you know, we're doing this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. Doesn't go anywhere. So the last couple of notes <laughs> that we have in, in recapping the entirety of this show is, one, I don't know why the competitors address Los Banditas as they are a new team. They wrestled no less than five times there already. But... The only explanation I had is what I said before is probably a soft reboot too. Sofia Lopez's presence helped that show get a feel of continuity even when it was very little. It provided it provided the illusion of continuity and she and her team and their opponents and her her clients Tormenta, et cetera, et cetera, they, they gave uh, more cohesion to, to this episode than any episode that I can recall prior to this. Uh, the in-ring work was pretty good for the entire hour. No complaints there. David McClain was not good as a commentator. Sorry to say it, but he just is not. And the worst part is, is that he dragged Stephen Dickey down. Since when David McClain has to provide fluff, Stephen Dickey has to provide fluff. And Dave McClain rewrites the history of what went on in the wild constantly. They had an undefeated streak. Oh, this is the, you know, we haven't seen them do this before. Oh, yeah, they got they had this this great rivalry. Or, you know, it is it's just a lot of stuff to try to make the matches sound more important than what they are. And it is that that's the only way I can really describe it. It is a lot of fluff. Yes, you gotta go through Lana Lana Star has to approve you, or Vicky Lim, you gotta go through Vicky Lynn McCoy, or the greatest manager in the world is, is Sophia Lopez, because look at all the stuff that she's accomplished. You know, it is it's a bunch of things that they talk about that largely cannot be backed up or proven. And him doing that only makes Stephen Dickey do it also. David McClain should leave that booth and let Stephen Dickey and A.J. Mendez, who you hardly, I mean, she says stuff throughout the court, but nothing she says, is almost nothing is of any consequence. She is kind of the heel commentator, but not really. She she sits and she, you know, she does a fine job, but 
It just gets buried. It just gets buried underneath having David McClain there because they have to shut up and let him do what he's doing. It's his show. It might actually allow them to progress or get better or provide stronger commentary to the matches and maybe, just maybe, keep up with whatever storyline without without having to rewrite their own history and fluff it up as much as possible if it was just two of them opposed to having Dave McClain out there and talking about, hey, uh, Sophia, I'm glad I got that watch that you gave me. I'm not going to do you any favors, but, hey, you know, even though she got a favor the previous week, <laughs> she, she just got a, a match for the mother truckers out of the clear blue in a non-title match against the tag team champions. So I don't, I don't know about them not doing favors, and they didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to go through Vicky Lynn. They didn't have to get approved by Lana Star. So I mean, I don't know where that is, and it's things like that. Well, I'm like, they just expect you not to pay attention. They expect you to not remember. And they expect you to accept whatever commentary or narrative that is being told without questioning it at all. Uh, Wild does not appear to have any rules as it relates to pins. Just look at the look at the match in the main event, and you'll know why. Even though it fits the story there. This is not the first or only time they've done it. They do it all the time. Uh, every angle and storyline in this episode was pretty self-contained, and that deserves a thumbs up. Mesmera was not even included in the manager package when they were trying to compare Sofia Lopez to the managers. Of, you know, Wow has a lot of managers, but none is more, more accomplished than Sofia Lopez or whatever they said. Another case of them just rewriting history. I like how how is she the most accomplished when Lana Styles walking around with every championship that Wild has right now. Doesn't make much sense to me, but you know, maybe they judging this on the different scale. And she's got a bigger, a better win loss record with her clients than Lopez does. So again, doesn't make much sense to me, but you know, who knows? Also, neither was Angelica Dante. I don't know why she was excluded. She she actually is a better manager in my view than Mesmer is, but you know, it's neither here nor there. Uh, this show does not want you to have a long-term memory. I, I, I just said it. They, they expect you to take whatever commentator, the commentators say at face value. I, and I question every week who this show was made for. Was it made for kids or was it made for adults? And this has nothing to do with the episode. It's just something that WoW has begun to do, and I'm really hoping that they wane this off eventually. That one fall thing was an organic thing that took place on the on the indies, where they're ringing out so like this following follow contest is scheduled for one fall, and you know they were just one fall. They they would start doing it. That started on the independents. Wow is now just doing this intentionally. Well, they were doing it intentionally from the get-go. But it is just going on and on and on and on. And that's this isn't necessary. It, it just isn't. You don't have to try to encourage the, the, the fans there to duplicate 
what fans, what wrestling fans elsewhere do. I mean, it would be like somebody out there telling the audience, okay, now say this is awesome. Those things just happened in the wrestling world. It wasn't like somebody was trying to get them to chant these things for the benefit of their show. It just took place. It's like when Sting came back in TNA uh, all those years ago. It's been over 20 years now. I think it was, what, uh, 2002 when he returned. And he had his first match of pay-per-view. And nobody was really expecting to get what he was doing. And they went into, this is awesome. I mean, not this. They did do that. But it's like, you still got it. So it's the chant that I meant to bring up. But you still got it, chant. But it was an organic thing. It just it just happened. Now it translated itself later on when Ricky Steamboat came back, and then it just kind of repeated. But but they couldn't make that entire arena start chanting. You still got it. Somebody, you know, it happened and it just picked up. With WoW, they encouraged this. They they just this following contest is scheduled for one fall. Then she holds the microphone up for them to repeat one fall. And the, you don't need to do that week in and week out for every every single match that takes place is is it is not necessary. It just it just isn't. And I really really wish that's just a personal thing of mine. I just really wish that they kind of wane that off eventually. All in all, the show top to bottom is an enjoyable show, and. Surprisingly, I know for me, it gets a B. This was above average for a while. It was an above average episode for a while, and I, I, you know, if I had an applause button that I could hit and, and cue up the, the applause, I would do it. For them, this was a very enjoyable episode. It, it didn't have a bunch of plot holes in it. It had some cohesion and continuity they did a far far better job in this episode and it may be my favorite episode thus far but they did a far far better job in this episode than any other episode that I can recall off the top of my head and that is that is probably the highest praise that I could give wow so congratulations guys and that's it. That was the review of this uh, particular episode of WoW, episode 44, Summon the Monsters, or Summoning the Monsters, whichever one it was. So now we're just waiting for next week, and I got the email for that. It's the Queens of Mean, which I can only assume that is some mean girl theme or whatever. But we will find out when we get the chance to look at that with episode and we'll see how well it went or, or, or didn't go. I hope that I sincerely hope that the momentum that is gained from this episode being as good as it was carries over to next week's episode and that they are able to keep that alive. So with that, I think it is a good point to close this thing out thank you for tuning in to this episode and every episode that you have caught if you uh, are so kind 
hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notifications. And if you're listening to this on any other platform, make sure you follow it and or like it so that you can get those notifications for when the audio drops. And if you have any questions of that, you can always go to the website, WPNWrestling.com. That will give you links to everything, whether that be the videos, which I'll also run 24 hours a day on our channel. Our stream never goes off. There's wrestling on there, there's interviews on there, there's video games on there. So you can go on at any point you can look at that. And uh, who knows, maybe one of these days it'll, it'll expand and go elsewhere. And with the, uh, the the subscriptions, you could like I say you can find those on on WPN. If you want to support the channel, you can hit one of the uh, the, the purchases for a shirt. You go to the shop right there at the bottom of the YouTube channel. Get your shirt, a mug, leggings, uh, the long sleeve, short sleeves. Doesn't matter. All of that helps support the program and show. And I appreciate you and those who have done it. I appreciate you very very much and we will close on that so with that folks this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round take care everybody thank you for listening to the WPN's rights and wrongs of pro wrestling if you have questions or comments please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network if you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs> <laughs>